0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: It's Dukes and Bell. Thanks to Arthur Blank, owner of our Atlanta Falcons, for stopping by. We're going to talk to Darren Eels here, president of Atlanta United, coming up in just a few seconds. But real quick, guys, and we will talk more about this as the show goes on. But, Mike, um, was there one thing that jumped out to you with Arthur Blank in our conversation? Definitely no Grady's coming back. <laughs> I got that
2: impression at the end. and then. He says uh, he was not the driving force behind uh, getting Deshaun Watson, which means that uh, Fontenot or Arthur Smith or both said, hey, he's out there. we got to take a stab at this. Although Fontenot in the press conference said that they thought it was a long shot and it was going to be difficult. So, I mean, you can draw your own conclusions there, but Arthur maintains he was not the guy driving the bus on Watson.
1: I'm going to tell you when we, uh, when we move on here just a little bit why I think the decision to back out came from the owner. He says it didn't. I'll tell you why I think it did. Arthur Blank, moments ago, we'll replay that for you in its entirety coming up. Right now, let's talk to President of Atlanta United. His name is Darren Eels. And, Darren, uh, uh, sorry, we had your boss on there for a few minutes, so we're we're running a little late, but we appreciate you jumping on with us. How are you doing today?
3: Yeah, good afternoon, Jax. I'm used to waiting around while Arthur <laughs> finishes meetings.
1: <laughs> You're not the only Sorry one. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, and,
3: uh, we, I mean,
2: Darren, I mean, last I, I got to tell you, we had the international break, and the uh, U.S. men's national team looks really good, which is nice, but when, it, when a draw we had too many conversations i think you carl and i in the last 18 months when a draw felt like a loss our last draw felt like a win with some unbelievable fireworks some of the best goals so is that something you can build on and is that, does that create momentum or you're only as good as the next goalkeeper you're going to see
3: no i think it definitely creates momentum like you're right i mean think back to last season the number of games where we were 2-0 up and we managed to you know draw a game and it just like you said it felt like a loss so i think you know the mentality speaks volumes to the camaraderie that Gonzalo's managed to get within the team. And then the class of goals, I mean, Thiago Armada's goal won the MLS goal of the week. So great for him in you know only his second substitute appearance to score a cracker like that. And it was not just the strike, but it was the way he sort of cut the ball back, uh, had practically half the team, you know, Montreal team jumping up thinking he was going to shoot. So I think that's going to give him confidence, so we're excited about that. And look, it would have been a, a very long two-week international break if we'd have got in with a loss. I think, you know, we, we were really pleased to, to get the draw now. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. That was not a good performance. And, you know, we took the 1-0 lead, and then we just fell asleep. And we can't afford to do that, but at least we got the draw. So I give him credit for that.
1: Darren, what do you think about the U.S. men's national team? I, I got I to gotta tell you, I got a little buzz. I've been watching these qualifying matches, and um, Christian Pulisic yep. has been great. I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm not going to tell you we're going to win the World Cup, but where are you at with our, our national team?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, I think look, it's great that we, we qualified. I think, you know, with the team that the United States has and the ability and talent that they've got there, I think, you know, it should be an expectation that they qualify, but you can never take it for granted. Look what happened four years ago. So uh, it's still not in the bag, so they're not jinxed it. They could still, uh, I think they've got to not lose 6-0 or greater to Costa Rica, so they've still <laughs> got to make sure they go out there and get the job done. But, look, it's great for soccer in this country. You know, Canada, hats off to them, and Canada has been the most impressive team in the in the whole of the Congo-Caf region qualifying. You know, for them to... Qualify as well, and I was pleased that it was a draw between U.S. and Mexico because, as an Englishman, I'm neutral. But as a training ground with Gonzalo um, being for Mexico and Carlos being for the United States, I had to make sure that I was the sort of neutral, and uh, a draw was probably the best result for both teams to get what they need to qualify. So it's exciting. I, mean, I think you know, 2022 World Cup in Qatar. You've now got a chance to see Canada, United mm. States, and fingers crossed, Mexico make it. And then, of course, they all qualify automatically for 26. So we know we've got that World Cup in 2026. And, you know, that's the one I'm really excited about because you think of players like Pulisic and players that are going to be in their prime, but also mm-hmm. Gio Reyna and the talent that's coming through the pipeline in Major League Soccer. We've seen it with someone like George Bello, but, you know, there is real talent coming through. Noah Cobb's a young player that we just signed to Atlanta United too. And I know that, you know, we got high hopes for him and we think that, you know, he's someone that can really go on to be a great success. So I think... Across United States, you're now seeing the fruit of, of some of that sort of uh, infrastructure and development that's been put in place over the past 10, 15 years. And it's going to, I think it's exciting. I think we've got a real chance on home territory in 2026 to make an impact. And uh, so I'm really excited about that.
2: I remember when the women had their success initially, and of course they had success for decades, but initially it even drove like the Women's League to have success. I mean, do you think that the correlation between the U.S. men's team making a wild, uh, you know, a, a World Cup run and, and, and that translated to more fannies in the seats at MLS?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think the World Cup itself, you know, we've seen that, as you said, with the women's game. And, you know, I think we've done a great job in getting to the avid fans. So I think in Atlanta in particular, I mean, we've seen it with the numbers. I've, you know, I still can't believe it's great. We're seventh at the moment in the world. Spurs are at six, Barcelona are at eight. So <laughs> not a bad couple of clubs to be nestled between. And right. Charlotte are now, I think, at 11th because they've had a couple of crowds where it was great to get that first game. But it's hard to, to keep it up. So, you know, we, we consistently have those big crowds. I think we've done a great job of getting to that avid soccer fan. But where I see the real potential is that fan that might get drawn in when the national team's having success. And, you know, they're going to be able to watch the World Cup. They're going to see the United States perform. They're going to see players like Miles Robinson, who play in their backyard here with Atlanta United. And we hope to be able to get to that next level of fan. And, you know, the only way is up, really, for for MLS and soccer in the United States. And I also do think there's some credit to Major League Soccer and what it's done in terms of its investment in youth, because there's no um mystery with canada having the success that they've had you know canadian teams that came in fairly recently toronto montreal vancouver having the mls has undoubtedly helped them to be in a position where they're qualifying for the world cup um for the first time i think in over 30 years that they did that so again i think you know this is something that's a symbiotic relationship between the league being successful the national team being successful and a rising tide close all boats.
1: So, Darren, you're talking about investing in the youth. Talk about the Atlanta United Foundation, which just opened its first mini pitch in Brunswick, Georgia, and what that means for Atlanta United.
3: Oh, it's great, guys. I mean, it's been a really good week for us. We had that on Thursday. So, down in Brunswick, right like in the south of, of, um, of Georgia. So, I'm learning a bit more of my geography about the whole state of Georgia. But we've spoken about how we didn't want to just be Atlanta, Metro Atlanta. So, we're going to be building 100 mini pitches before 2026 is the plan for the World Cup. We got slightly delayed a little bit with COVID. But, you know, really excited. We're going out throughout the whole state of Georgia, putting pitches in that gives that ability. So we're breaking down the geographic barriers because, you know, we're putting them in places that, that really need needs that ability to have um, facilities where players and young players in particular can go and practice soccer, train for soccer. So, you know, that was superb. We had, you know, Brad Gizan down there, George Campbell, Thiago Armada. So it was really fun to, to be able to bring that to the, to the people of Brunswick. But then we also had our unified um, signing on Sunday. So this is our unified team, our Special Olympics team that we've had now for, this is our sixth season that we're going to have it. And we do like a a mock signing, the supporters come. And again, Brad as an ambassador was there, Thiago Armada's there. And it's just amazing to see the passion. And again, for us, that's about soccer for all. You know, we talk about Atlanta United, but when our Special Olympics team is playing, we beat Miami last year, 3-2. And we had over 15,000 people watching the live stream of that game. It was an exciting game. But you see Gonzalo coming to watch the match. All of the players are out, you know, to, to support the team. And I think, you know, when we talk about Atlanta United, that's truly what our mission is. You know, it's trying to bring the game of soccer to everybody, whether that's geographical, whether that's financial background, whether that's you know, disability. This is what we're trying to do. So, you know, it's been a great few days for the Atlanta Foundation, and you know, it's what I, I'm really proud of what the club's done, and particularly in that area.
2: Awesome, uh, Darren Eels, guys. We had coming off the international break, so Uju will be good to go for DC on Saturday.
3: I mean, Luis is coming back. I mentioned to you last week he was doing his jogging. We're not going to rush him back. So I think it's probably going to be too soon for the D.C. game, but we'll have to see. You know, he's someone that wants to get back as quick as he can. And I think our job will be just making sure that we, we you know, we have Luis for the season. Because, as you saw, even in that first 25 minutes of the first game, know, we're really excited about what Luis can bring this season. Um, I think him with Thiago, with Joseph as a front three, that's going to be pretty fearsome. so I'm not sure for D.C. this weekend. We'll just have to wait and see.
1: Okay. Darren, what do you expect from DC United? Uh, what 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 are we going to get? Is that team changed fundamentally?
3: Yeah, look, I think they've uh, they had a new coach for our season, and so they're very they're very high press. So it's going to be one that you'll be watching the TV and sort of watching through your fingers because you know we're going to have to try and play through that press, and mm. you know DC do a great job of that. But I think you know we've shown in our games this season that we've got players that are very comfortable on the ball, and we've done a good job. I think certainly in into long periods of the game to be able to play through the high press, and uh, so I think it's going to be a bit hair and scaring. You know, it's going to be back to the how we like our games. You know, where we're we're giving it a go, we're trying to play attacking, but they're going to be definitely coming out to try and press us. So important for us that we find our way through to break that press. And I do think if we can do that with the attacking talent that we've got, we're going to have a good chance to create chances. And you know, hopefully we can get a result like we did last year when you know Marcelino Moreno scored that great winner to get us the win. And you know, we want the three points. It's a you know, it's a big game for us. We get the three points; it puts us right up there at the top of the table.
2: All right, big guys. Some uh, some matches on the road before we get back to Mercedes-Benz. Hopefully, we'll have a couple of wins. And uh, t- next time we talk, we will be at top of the table. How's that sound, Carl?
1: <laughs> That's great. I hope so. Hey, Darren, thanks so much. Good luck on uh, on Saturday against DC United.
3: Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, great stuff. Giving back to the community is always great. They're going to continue to grow soccer around the state. It's good, man. And the World Cup, if you guys are not watching, but Team USA, man, we, we might have a shot to do something this next time around. Hey, coming up, yeah, man, no, man, Mike and I will continue to talk about what Arthur Blank just told us on Dukes and Bell.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
5: Arthur Blank joined us, says
1: he had nothing to do with Deshaun Watson coming here or the fact that uh, they stepped away. I categorically I, deny I was involved in that. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. I'm going to tell you guys coming up later uh, at five why I think he was. And when I say he was, I'm talking about stepping away. I'll tell you why, but he says he had nothing to do with that. That was a Terry decision. This has all been uh, his football personnel, folks, GM, etc. Mike, uh, I loved your question at the end when you said, do you want Grady back? And he was like, of course we do, which which basically says, hey, we're going to do a deal. Um, now, what's that deal going to look like? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Mike. But, you know, again, you start talking about one guy taking up 25% of your cap, and Grady's not a quarterback, so that's not going to happen. But you are going to invest heavily in him if you're going to re-up and try to create some more cap space. I mean, if you're Grady, you talked about these numbers yesterday before we get to Bo. He's making, what, 16, 17 now? That's going to go up to 20, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the top five of the position, which is what he's going to want, again, it's not a knock on Grady. If you had three other guys on that line, I'd say, sure, but – he doesn't fit this defense, and I'll argue that with anybody. And Chuck kind of agrees with me, but Chuck doesn't want to lose that attitude, the work, and everything else this guy is building. Again, you don't. There's nothing worse to Arthur's point about drafting a guy in the fifth round. Right. You build him up, and then only to see him walk away. I mean, he, this would be Grady's second big contract with us. I just don't think he fits this defense.
1: All right, man. More to get to. Stay right there. Right now, let's get to Yeah Man, No Man. It's time for Yeah Man, No Man. Kind of makes me wonder why the hell so many people are trying to tell me to slow
2: down. Seems
5: like they should be shutting the hell up and enjoying the show. He's six foot one.
2: Not really. From
5: Florida.
1: Kennesaw State. And gives rapid
5: fire questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the executive producer of the Dukes and Bell Show, Bo Morgan. Lots of folks responding on social media. Dukes and Bell 929. All the quotes from Arthur are there. Go to our poll as well today, which is buzzing about what quarterback you want. Guys, we pick eighth. Bo Morgan, what is going on today?
5: Uh, I don't know, but, Mike, I think you should maybe write an article about Grady Jarrett and why the Falcons should <laughs> trade him. And,
2: <laughs> maybe and then we... he'll go be the defensive player of the year,
5: <laughs> <laughs> based on the, if past this prologue.
2: For those who don't know or yet listening, or you know, expect, I mean, if you're new, be on the new. But uh, back in 15, I wrote this article and said, hey, let's move on from Matt and let's go get Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun stayed in college, so it was a moot point. And then Matt won the MVP, which made it a further moot point. <laughs> just always
5: – Gotta bring it up, you know. Gotta, no, hey, just, we've been serious you know, for two the, hours. The worst we gotta, well, part fun. of this
2: is whenever we get back to Flowery Branch, and I say, "Hey, Grady," he's gonna be like, "Go blank yourself to me," because it's gonna sound like the telephone game. It'll I be ten I times
1: actually, worse. I actually heard he was gonna—he was gonna slap you. Well,
2: <laughs> well, this is a bit different than the Oscars. I'll be ready to—I'll be ready to call our man. We get the strong arm on the case because all of a sudden, if Grady slaps me, the first thing I'm gonna do, Carl, is go neck brace.
5: Somebody get me a neck brace. The
2: strong arm story of the day is.
5: Well ah. I will be I will have John Foy on speed dial if Grady slaps me like a bee. I actually think the first thing you'll do if Grady Jarrett was to slap you is is be try to pick yourself up off the ground. No, nope,
2: nope. First thing I'm gonna I'll be writhing and there'll be a neck will be grabbed and I will get the board. Carl, get the board.
1: <laughs> you will play into this, won't you? And then I will have then I'll be able to do the show from Naples for the rest of my life. Oh, uh. <laughs> And I'll be going, wow, most (laughs) incredible moment in locker room history. My neck. (laughs) Carl, I can't feel my fingers. But, yeah, man, listen, uh, it is a story that we've been talking about because the Falcons are in conversations with reupting and extending Grady. That's why we've been talking about this. This is not something that we're just talking about to be talking about, guys. This might be the next step as far as how they continue to build this team. So that's why it's a topic of conversation, why we asked Arthur Blank. All right, Bo, let's get to it, man.
5: All right, well, speaking of uh, you know a changing of the guard, look, we're all gearheads on this show except for uh, Bicycle Boy over here, Christopher. Formula One season is two weeks in. Mm. And guys, I think we have a changing of the guard and I wanted to talk to you guys about it cuz you're both big Formula 1 fans. In 2 weeks, Charles Leclerc is now the leader. After mm-hmm. 2 weeks, he's Crazy. finished he's got a one uh, a win mm-hmm. and then he finished second. Ferrari has two podiums with both guys. But the bigger story is seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton is now 5th in the standings. He had a 10th place finish Last weekend, where he struggled mightily in qualifying, mm-hmm. couldn't find the pits, made him a mistake. Well, he claimed there was a safety car, but Formula One is gotten more exposure in uh, in the America in the last five years in a long time. Yeah, the, with, f- the
2: race in Bahrain, I think, was the highest one of all, right? One point three five million, I think we said on uh, last week.
5: Yeah, and the drive survived. The Netflix show right. has driven that. Is Mercedes on the way down is Ferrari back and could we have for the third for the third year in a row a different world champion now Hamilton won some mm-hmm. years in a row for stopping last year could we see another guy mm-hmm. maybe a Ferrari driver
2: Mercedes will get their house in order just not right now yeah, just there. It's this, Carl. They, the, the thing is, Ferrari basically had two awful years because yep. they put so much development into this new car that was supposed to launch last year. Then they pushed it back for COVID. Basically, guys, if you're not a Formula One fan, what they did in NASCAR, we call it, you know, the, the new COT or Car Tomorrow. They they made the racing better, Carl. They they said they were going to create better racing, and they have. We got guys going back and forth. It's unbelievable. It's, you haven't seen this much action in F1 since like you know you got to go back to the '80s and early
1: '90s. I uh, I like the parody. I love Lewis Hamilton. He's been the best race car driver in in the world for the last decade but i like the parody because we got to a point in the last few years mike we knew who was going to win it was a parade I mean, lab you're right we just knew and and now you're tuning into these races as we are and going i don't know who's going to win is it going to be verstappen is it going to be you know perez uh signs who's going to win the race i don't know so i like that aspect of it bo and i'll say this too We talked about this privately, guys. We were talking about the F1 show on Netflix. And if you're not an F1 guy, you don't like, you know, you don't dig it. Maybe you're a NASCAR or whatever. Um give it a shot go back watch season one it'll get you caught up season two Mm -hmm. I think it's season three now then you learn all the
2: dynamics when you watch the race you know who you might perceive as the good guy the bad guy the guy in the black hat the dude who's the weenie to his teammate the rich kid the kid who came up from his bootstraps you know the 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 fun team manager on the underfunded team who cusses like a sailor there's a lot of cool stuff on drive to survive
1: yeah I also think it gives you a chance to find a team that you might want to root for and that's the thing as well If you're going, well, you guys watch these races, who the hell are you rooting for? You get behind a team. Mike's a Ferrari guy. He's been that for years. He's talked about it when he's made his trips overseas and whatnot. You get behind these teams, and if you go to these races, it's real. Like, there are people who have followed these teams for years, win, lose, or draw, and that's the uniqueness of it. So, Bo, I think I love the fact that we've got parity right now.
5: Yeah, nothing made made me happier than hearing Mm -hmm. Toto Say, you need to overrule that. This is not fair. (laughs) Okay, so for those who don't follow, Lewis obviously is one of the greatest
2: stories. When he was a little kid, he went to the head of McLaren, Ron Dennis. He was like nine years old. He goes, I'm going to race for you someday. And he did and he won a championship with them. And then he goes to Mercedes, and it is Mercedes-AMG. It is called the Factory Team. They are Darth Vader. They are the evil empire. They really are. It's really fun to watch. And then you got the Red Bull guys that are always poking the bear and starting stuff with Christian Horner. I do kind of like Max, though, but I'm a big surgeon. I love Chicago. Anyway, to Carl's point, you will make some connections if you watch Drive to Survive. It's throwing the ratings up, which is how we started the conversation.
5: And by the way, um, to continue, I think motorsports is in one of the best places it's ever been, at least in the last 30 years, because NASCAR has had six different winners to start the season, three brand-new winners. Um, Now, it just so happens the other three winners were all from Hendricks. But coming off last week, literally a startup team who just bought their race team from Ganassi, Justin Marks owns it. And you know who else is an owner in the track house team that won last week at the Circuit of Americas? Pitbull. Pitbull is part of an ownership group Don that just won a race. <laughs>
1: nice,
5: Carl, Miami, three hundred five.
1: Yeah, it's a smart investment, man. I mean, honestly, it really is because uh, I think Mr. Worldwide, up, it's gonna it's gonna continue to grow. NASCAR
2: stock car racing,
1: stock car. Bo, Bo, I think you're right. Uh, overall, and and Mike, did you? So I'm trying to remember real quick while we're talking about this. Last two years, you had Indy tickets but didn't go, right?
2: Yeah, we had uh, the race was downsized. This year, I'm going to Indy. I'm taking my father in law. Okay. Right? He's an okay. old school dirt track guy, and he's never, this is one of his bucket list deals. Mm. So, my father in law, for his 70th birthday, we're, for, I don't know, he said, he goes, I don't know if I'll survive it driving with you, but we're going to take the Corvette to the Corvette Museum, and then we're going to Jim Beam because he's a Beam guy. We can do the Bourbon Trail through to Louisville and then yes. psh, up to Indy. It's going to be a pretty good guy's weekend for Memorial
1: Day. Yeah, that sounds fun, man. I just remember you talking mm. about uh, having tickets in. And- and then not going and all of that stuff, right?
2: Well, well, and by the way, if they ever opened up Canada? A lot of Americans like us would love to spend our dollars in Montreal, but they won't let us.
1: No, they're, they're still they're still mm. locked down, man. Hey, well, big. I was going to say though, NASCAR right now, um, I think they've gotten off to a great start too. Yeah.
2: And Atlanta, by the way, is an extension of that, Carl. How, how Atlanta, you know, you reinvested, they put money into the track, and it was the best race they've had in twenty years. Mm.
5: Yeah, they've they've gotten off well. Now real quick, I want to I want to move over to the NFL cuz I don't remember us hitting this story in the blitz, but there's been a lot going on. The Chiefs president has talked about the team considering their options in the state uh, of of Kansas and the suburbs and in and Missouri and moving around out of Arrowhead. And they've even talked about, you know, putting it in Kansas. Now, the Kansas City mayor, which is in Missouri obviously, they don't want that. They want to keep the team at Arrowhead. To me, personally, I've been to Arrowhead. I've been to probably about 25 of the current 32 stadiums in the NFL. Arrowhead, to me personally, is one of the most iconic venues, if not the one in the NFL, other than Lambeau. And, you know, Soldier Field, I guess, to a lesser extent. I don't really care about that part. What is the most iconic venue for you guys in the NFL. What stadium stands out amongst mm-hmm. all others? I, hate,
2: I would like to be original, Carl, but it's got to be Lambeau.
1: Yeah, it is. Only because of the tradition. You know, I would tell you old Three Rivers, but it's not there anymore, Steelers. Um, but, you know, all the new stadiums have replaced all the great old stadiums, right. but Lambeau is still there. Although but, Lambeau,
2: Carl, I mean, the way they built it up, they've gone vertical with those suites. It's unbelievable how it looks nowadays from like 20 years ago.
1: No, it's, it's true, and that's where, you know, the investment with all the the money that's being made with the suites and stuff. But, Bo, um, geez, yeah, all the great old stadiums, whether they were, were crap or not and whatever, you know, attracted you to them hmm. are pretty much gone. I mean, think about it. You know, um, in Dallas, right? You could go back. The, the roof is open because God wants to watch the Cowboys <laughs> on team. Sunday. Right. It's gone. Uh, you know, L.A. has a new stadium, and even though football wasn't there, you know, the Coliseum is where they used to play. It's like, eh, the new stadium kills. You
2: know, the I've never Coliseum. been, never been to again. It's not an old stadium, but I've never been to Seattle. But everyone raves about what an atmosphere Seattle is. Yeah, like, home it, of the it 12th is. man. They're 12th man.
5: It's it awesome. It's really good there. Like the night games there are absolutely. The Monday night game we played there, I think it was 17 phenomenal atmosphere
1: who was the quarterback there before they drafted Russell who was it, Hasselback yeah yeah I went up there when he was the quarterback and this was before the fanfare got all crazy with the 12th man and all that and it was a great environment I can only imagine that was years ago I do only imagine what it'd be like now mm. because of the way they act about that football team
5: yeah great I, I just love I mean Arrowhead I got to, that was my first row game ever was Arrowhead for the Falcons was right. Arrowhead and man, it's just such a cool environment. When you pull in the tailgating, they all flick you off, and it's all <laughs> fun. But it's just such a really cool atmosphere. I mean, atmosphere. Hines
2: Field is also again different weather, but I I still rave Carl about it, be able to walk on that on the river, you know, at the confluence. They got the there's a
5: casino right down oh, yeah. the street. Yeah, it's yeah. Kinda yeah, yeah. Cool yeah. Too. It you know I don't know why if we're getting rid of all these old stadiums that people call dumps. Can not we get rid of the Superdome? Chris, hit my music. <laughs>
2: Ain't no money down there, Bo. All the people with money are living here in Atlanta. They never went back.
1: They're just going to continue to refurbish, Bo. Relax, relax. But
2: they guarantee the musty smell will remain.
1: <laughs> hey, man, we got a lot more to dive into. All right, Arthur Blank stopped by. He told us it's not a rebuild. Man, they are all in unison with that. And also, we're going to talk about his uh, efforts to uh, uh, get Deshaun Watson. We'll share what he said in regards to that. Stay right there at and Bell. Weeknight, 7 to 11. With John Chuckery. You see how the Buccaneers were doing it? You know, once you have a really good roster in place and you can convince Tom Brady and Gronk to come in, this is not hard. What about this do you not understand? I'm giving it to you straight.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.